This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. River Church, excited that you guys are here this morning. Uh, today's a different kind of Sunday. I don't know if you, I don't know what your week looked like, uh, but the presence of God is here, and I think it was evident in the worship. We have an incredible worship team. Let's give them a round of applause. Every Sunday they come in here, and they lead us in worship, and uh, they're just incredible. Uh, this morning, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and get uh, your Bibles out real quick. Um, this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon is The Resurrected Life. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to John 20. I'm going to try to get this right because I heard last week I was like telling you guys to go to some crazy verse. All right, so uh, John 20, uh, we're going to read uh, 1 through 10, and then I'm going to take you to another passage. We're going to read through that, and then we'll get started. Let me go ahead and read this. Um, actually, before I do that, I do want to I do kind of just say something. If you're new here, uh, we've been going through the Gospel of John. This is a book in the Bible written by one of Jesus' disciples, John. And uh, it kind of shares the story of Jesus. Today is our last Sunday in that series. Can I get an amen? Right. Uh, it's been a long series, uh, but it's been a good series. And uh, all of these stories and everything we've been hearing has been kind of culminating on last Sunday, what we shared about the crucifixion, and this Sunday, we're going to be talking about the resurrection, and we'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, But I do want you to know that uh, though we're finishing a series uh, this week, we're going to be kicking off another series next week called Church Words, all right? Uh, definitely going to want to be here for church words. I was talking to Mike uh, the other day, and he was saying, I really want to explore these words that are kind of Christianese. We hear them all the time. We say them all the time, but what do they really mean? So definitely be back next Sunday for church words. We're kicking that series off. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and so anyway, so today uh, we are in John 20. All right, when you're there, let me hear you say, preach, preach up. All right, cool. So there's like three people all right, cool, awesome. Good thing we have it on the screen. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll get, we'll get into it. <clears throat> on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Man, I just think that's kind of funny. Let me just stop right there. Uh, The Bible actually has some funny stuff in it, all right? I don't know. There's some interesting things. Listen, John uh, had wrote this, this book of the Bible, and they call him the one whom Jesus loved, all right? So in the text, he's the other one. Isn't it bad? Like, Peter gets a bad rep. He's the one that denied Jesus three times. He struggled, all right? Like most of us, he struggled. And now for, an, an, for throughout history, he's known as the slow one, the one that couldn't outrun, like John outran him. And, of course, John had to slip that in there like, yeah, uh, I, I basically beat him to the tomb. Peter forever is the slow guy. That's, that's so funny to me. Anyway, <clears throat> wow, uh, where was I? So then, uh, boop, 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 boop. okay, yeah. At that, the Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, 
he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed. For they still did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went home again. And the story continues uh, to the very end of John, where then Jesus uh, appears and, and, and meets all of the disciples. I think they get together like three times. He shows himself to hundreds of people. And even uh, doubting Thomas, who was a one of his disciples, who were like, "Listen, I'm not even gonna believe Jesus raised from the dead until I touch him, see him." And Jesus showed up, and he was like, "All right, I believe." Uh, and so the story kind of continues there. I want to jump into Romans for a minute uh, because I think this text really, really uh, shed some light on this uh, on the resurrection. In Romans, Paul uh, writes a. Uh, a letter to the Roman church. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 6, 4 through 8. Paul says some pretty powerful things here, and I, I really want to I, I touch on this because gonna, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. <clears throat> Romans 6, 4 through 8. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Uh, I think in, in the passage up here, it probably says uh, new way of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified praise God, with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the stories that we read over and over again that have so much power in our lives. This story is one of those stories, God, that, that transforms us if we allow it. And God, I pray this morning that those of us in here who have who have maybe never accepted you as Savior, maybe have never considered following you as a disciple, God, I pray today is the day that those who may be nervous, those who may be backward, may, will take that step forward to follow you, God, in a new way of life, in a newness of life, as your word says. God, thank you for today, God, and we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you a little something about me real quick. Uh, I hate horror movies. Anybody in here hate horror movies? You see how I say hate, not the ones who like it, because I don't want to shame anybody. It's not a problem if you like horror movies. Literally, the last horror movie I watched was in 2005. Yeah, I'm that committed. 2005, I watched The Grudge. Don't watch it. Freaked me out. I was so scared. I still am scared. I'm, I'm like, it just messed me up. So I decided that day I was never going to watch a horror movie again. And uh, so I will say that I've watched some zombie movies. I mean, who hasn't, right? Like our culture is kind of obsessed with zombies. Uh, we're on the backside of that. You know, World War Z, uh, The Walking Dead. You watch The Walking Dead? Yeah, I've seen The Walking Dead. Uh, and, and because of that, I know how to protect my home from zombies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's important, okay? It doesn't say anything in the Bible about zombies, but if it ever happened, uh, we're ready for it, Okay. Uh, and so I think kind of when we talk about resurrection, we talk about things coming back to life. 
typically stories like that kind of come to our mind. We're kind of like, okay, uh, creepy, creepy, scary stuff. Uh, and what's interesting about this resurrection story, it's not really a horror-filled story. It's more of a hope-fulfilled story. And we're going to get into why here in a minute. Uh, this is the kind of resurrection story that, yeah, I'm sure that it probably freaked some people out, but uh, it did more good than harm. So let's get into it. Last week, we talked about the crucifixion. If you're like me, the crucifixion is a little easier to understand. Uh, for me, it's like, okay, uh, and, and I'll get into some details here. You know, Jesus died for my sins. He was crucified as a sacrifice for me, which makes sense to me. Like, for instance, uh, we were all born with a sinful nature. That's easy to understand, especially for me right now. I have a one-year-old, all right? He's, he's very rebellious uh, already at his age, okay? And not only that, uh, you know, where did you, where did you learn to steal, lie, all these things? As a kid, you kind of really see a sinful nature. And I think we probably would all agree that we were born with a nature that kind of opposes God or opposes what's right. Uh, and uh, I think you come to that place when you kind of humble yourself because it's, it's not easy. But we're born with a sinful nature, Right, And in order to have a right relationship with God, because if you're living crazy and you're living out doing what you want to do and being self-destructive in your life, yes, you feel, you feel far from God. And that's a proven fact. I've talked to hundreds of people who say, I lived how I wanted to, how I wanted to live. I'm doing my own thing. I feel apart from God. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, in order to, to mend that relationship between you and God, you had to make a sacrifice. All right? <clears throat> so what people would do was God commanded, hey, I to make our relationship right, I want you to sacrifice a perfect spotless lamb, a sheep that has no, you know, no imperfections. And so what they would do is they'd take that lamb and slaughter it and kill it. What's interesting about the Bible is they said, uh, is that this is a story of a rescue. God saw us in our sins, saw us in our broken state and said, you know what? I'm going to send my son. Jesus came who was perfect, 100% God, 100% man as that spotless lamb, and was killed as a sacrifice for us. This is what the scripture says, okay? I'm not making this up. You can read it. And so, in my mind, I'm like, that makes sense. I can be close to God because of Jesus' death on the cross. Um, but when we talk about the resurrection, we're kind of like, I, at least I am, I'm like, okay, what was it? What, what, why was it important? Why did it happen? And today I want to talk about why the resurrection uh, is important to your life personally. Why is the crucifixion important to your life? Because you need to know that your self-destructive nature and <clears throat> the sin in your life has been atoned for by Jesus if you choose to accept him and follow him. But the resurrection is that next, is that next thing. It's funny because why, didn't, why wasn't it the design? Why didn't Jesus say, all right, I've died on the cross for your sins and that's it? But it wasn't the design. We read that he rose from the dead. I want to talk about, I've got a couple of points here, if you're taking notes, of why the, why the resurrection is important, important to you. The first one is this, and I love this kind of stuff, so just let me geek out for a minute. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus fulfills prophecy. 
prophecy is typically someone said something or wrote something in the in the past saying that it will come to pass. So it's like I'm writing this and it's it's supposed to happen in the future, okay? That's pretty cool stuff. And so if you look in the Bible, not only in the book of Psalms, the book of Hosea, the book of Isaiah, uh, do these uh, these prophets allude to a savior who's going to rise again. Jesus was a boss. Jesus actually said himself he was going to raise on after three days. That's that's uh, yeah, that's boss mode right there. If you're the if you're such a man, you're such a dude who can say, yeah, I'm going to die. I'll be back in three days. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I want to read, I just want to read how awesome Jesus is. I'm going to read some text. We don't have it up on the screen, but just listen. Some of these we read as we went through John. This is how, ah, I love Jesus. This is how much of a boss he is. Whew. So the Jews replied to him, what sign of authority will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this sanctuary and I will raise it again in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, the sanctuary took 46 years to build, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was actually speaking about the sanctuary of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that uh, he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Boss. Next passage, Matthew 12, 39 through 40. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things uh, from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and raised on the third day. Another one. Matthew 27, 62 through 64. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, After three days I will rise again. Therefore, give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come steal him and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. Then the last deception will be worse than the first. I put that last scripture in there. Reason is, is he talked about his resurrection so much that everyone knew about it. Like they knew about it so much so that they said, hey, Pilate, uh, we're sweating a little bit. Uh, you need to go and kind of like set up some guards. Let's reinforce that rock around his tomb. Let's make sure he stays in there because this dude's been talking. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Jesus, the reason the resurrection is so important is because this thing was talked about before he even was born. Not only that, Jesus himself said, I'm going to get up and raise on the third day. Why is the resurrection important? It was talked about. It was a promise that was fulfilled. The, re the other reason that's important is because if you look historically, even before Jesus was alive killed and resurrected, there were probably hundreds, if not thousands of people who showed up and said that they were the Savior, who said they were the Son of God and said that they would die and raise again. But something didn't happen. They didn't raise again. And so what's interesting about this is that he, Jesus, fulfilled his promise, fulfilled that prophecy. That's if, if ever there's a prophecy in the scripture that gets fulfilled, that's something to pay attention to. 
The second reason the resurrection is important is this. The resurrection shows God's immense power, his power. Throughout history, men uh, have held on to this fear in their heart, especially men who claim to be God, that their humanity would be discovered when they die. Xerxes, the pharaohs, all throughout history, there have been people modern day who said they're Jesus, said that they were God. And they said, I would imagine at some point they probably told people, yeah, I will live forever, yet their bodies lay in the ground. They themselves are in the ground. There is a universal truth, and I'm not trying to be just depressing this morning, but everyone in here is going to die. We're going to die at some point, all right? That's just a fact, all right? And because of that fact, uh, that's something that we fear a lot, and it's outside of our control. I've heard so many stories uh, different things of people in the hospital and they've, you know, narrowly escaped death and what that looks like. It was completely outside of their control. It was as if they were being pulled, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, the, t- the light tunnel or whatever. Uh, it is completely outside of your control. And what's interesting here is that Jesus, because of the resurrection, allows us not have to fear. He says this, Jesus said, to her. This is John eleven twenty five. We've we've been through this, but I want I want you to hear it. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Interesting. Everyone who lives, this is John eleven twenty six. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die ever. Do you believe this? Jesus says this. Even if he dies, he will live. How does this work? It means that though your physical body will fade away, your soul will not die, but live with God forever. He's talking about the afterlife. He's talking about being with him in heaven. He's talking about uh, the resurrected life. The The reason the resurrection is important is because he himself reversed the effects of death. He died. We know that. We studied it last week, remember? They didn't break his legs on the cross because he had already died. We know it. They stabbed everything. He put him, they put him in a tomb. After three days in a tomb, I'm going to be honest with you, your body begins, starts the de- decomposition process. All right, so this guy is dead. Jesus is dead. It takes an immense amount of power for after three days of being dead for Jesus to be in the tomb or Jesus to be there with his eyes closed and go, Stop. It's over. I'm done. To be able to control death like that, it takes an immense amount of power. And we don't have to be afraid. I I think about this all the time. Like, you're looking, I know this is going to be real groovy. You're going to be like, this guy's weird. But uh, you're looking at me right now with your physical eyes, my physical body, but that's not really who I am. I mean, yeah, I got a big nose and I'm, you know, crazy looking. But, uh, this isn't necessarily who I am. The person that's talking to you is a soul, a spirit. My body is just the vehicle that is carrying my soul and spirit. Do you understand that? And so, and, and that's the same with you. And, and so when I die, I know that my physical body may be put in the ground. But because of Jesus' resurrection, because he took control of, uh, of death, because he reversed the effects of death, I now, my spirit, soul, can live forever with him. This is why the resurrection is so special. 
is because he took the power from death and said, you know what? If they choose to follow me, if they accept me and believe and see what I have done, they will live with me forever. And I don't have to be afraid. Think about it, man. There have been so many martyrs throughout history. They're like being burned at the stake. And guess what? They're singing work praises. There have been people in this room who have been going through incredibly terrible, difficult situations, and you guys are in here just worshiping God, not even afraid. How? Why? Why is that? That's why people think Christians are crazy. They are crazy. We are crazy. <laughs> but it's because, it's because we don't have to be afraid of death. Yeah, physical death, it's going to happen. It happens to everyone. You can't escape that. But what you can't escape is an eternity, eternity apart from God. And the way that you escape it is believing and seeing that Jesus raised from the dead, taking the power away from death and reversing the effects of death so that you can live forever in him. That's how you escape death. Facts. Facts. We don't have to be afraid. John 10, 17 through 18 says this. This is why the Father loves me, because I am laying down my life so I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. We talked about that last week. Jesus gave his life. He wasn't a victim. It was a plan, a rescue mission. He laid down his life on his own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have perceived this command from the Father. Like I said, Jesus has such an immense power that he can actually reverse and take up his life again. It's incredible. It's incredible. And people have speculated what happened to Jesus in the tomb, uh, all of that kind of stuff. But I just keep coming back to the fact that Jesus laying there, lifeless, body cold, possibly decomposing, all of a sudden Jesus says, nope, and wakes up, and he walks out of the tomb. You can't do that. We can't do that. If we could, I would do that. I, you know, y'all visit me in a hospital. Y'all take me to the funeral. Boop. I wake up out the yeah, casket. I would do that if I had that power. But we just don't have that power. The third reason the resurrection is important, and this is the one I want to expound on the most, because it's, it's the most prevalent to you right now. And so I really want you to open your hearts to hear this this morning. The resurrection is a beautiful picture of what God wants for your life right now. And I, I want to say this carefully, that Jesus' resurrection was not just a moment in history. It wasn't something that we look back on. That moment in history should impact us in such a way. The resurrection isn't a moment, it's a way of life. Um, I personally... Um, and I think about this moment idea. I think our culture is kind of obsessed with it. I know I have been in my life at various points, uh, have been a thrill seeker. Uh, anybody thrill seekers? You guys need to tone it down. No thrill seekers in here. That's good. Uh, I kind of got a, I would get a buzz off of doing just crazy stuff. You know, it started when I was a kid. You can ask Katie. I'm building these makeshift ramps in the yard and I'm hitting them on bicycles, doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, that gave me, I was like excited to do that. You know, uh, I, you know, I love to go snowboarding, love to go do stuff. And so thrill seeking kind of was like a thing. And it was funny. I kind of discovered this about myself that it was like, once one thing was over with, I was like, on to the next one. What's the next one? What's the next moment? All right, all right, on to the next moment. On to the next moment. And uh, it wasn't really like a life necessarily. It was just like moment to moment. 
I think about this in our culture, especially in DFW. I think people misunderstand Christianity sometimes. We go to conferences all the time. We go to conferences. We'll go to a conference, and we'll be worshiping God. Man, that was an awesome moment with God. We go home, we struggle. We struggle. And then we go to our next conference, and we have an incredible, powerful moment with God, and we struggle, and we struggle. And we kind of live moment to moment. Uh, not only that, I, I got the opportunity to preach some church camps, uh, quite a few of them. And something interesting, anybody ever go to church camp? You guys ever gone to church camp before? Yeah, yeah. There's this thing about church camp. When you're a kid and you're a teenager, it's like, uh, man, I'm going to go to camp. I have this amped up experience. You know, I'm getting the goose, the goosebumps and I'm feeling great. You know, I'm, I, I have this uh, emotional experience, not always emotional. Some of us probably were saved at youth camp, so I'm not saying it's all emotions. Uh, but some of us have this emotional experience, right? And then we get all amped up and we're like, man, I could walk on water. And you go home back into your life and you're like, dang, I need to go back to camp. <laughs> Like, life is terrible. Like, some of us, some some teens go back into a really rough home life. It's very difficult. You get beat up. It's hard to follow God. I don't know, you know, and then you kind of drag yourself back to youth camp. And I remember talking to youth pastors who their kids were getting saved, like, every night, you know, and I'm like, why, why are I even asked a kid, I was like, you were saved yesterday. Like, why are you here? And uh, And so, anyway, like, like it, it's just kind of this, this idea that we kind of live moment to moment, in our, in our life, Sunday to Sunday. And some of us, that's how our life is. We come in here, we're going to get amped up today. We feel great, uh, feel great. And then we leave, we have a rough week and we're dragging ourselves back into the river. Lord, I need you this morning. Let's go. And then you just get beat up and you drag yourself back in here. The resurrection isn't just a wonderful moment in history. Uh, it's being brought to new life every single day. The resurrection isn't a moment in history, it's a way of life. And I'm not making this up, all right? Uh, check out Romans 6, 4. It says this, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in newness of life. We read that verse earlier. We might walk in a new way of life. Last time I checked, to walk, it takes several moments, all right? So when we're looking at that text and we're talking about a way of life, it takes several moments to walk. And in my mind, that makes complete sense because this life, the life that God wants for you, a resurrected life, isn't about moments. It's about every single day. And if you're like me, I need a resurrected Jesus. I need a newness of life every single day. I don't want to live moment to moment. It's not enough for me. I don't want to live conference to conference, camp to camp, Sunday to Sunday. I need Jesus every single day. I need to live a resurrected every single day. I need to be able to have the strength, power, and victory over temptation every single day. And so I don't want to live like that. And Jesus is saying, I want you to walk in the newness of life, not live just every moment. And the resurrected life is about sacrificial love and denying your desires. Where do I get this? It kind of takes us back to last week, but I want to read another passage in Luke 9, 23 through 24. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Yeah, everybody say daily. Daily. Every single day. And follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is he saying? Whoever lives selflessly like Jesus did, carrying his own tool of execution for our sins, those who live selflessly, denying yourself, all right, and loses his selfish desire, loses his life, loses sacrificing kind of what you consider to be your rights, those who will sacrifice your rights, your will, because think about it for a minute. We're talking about following Jesus and living a resurrected life. Think about where your decisions have gotten you. Think about it. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be rude or mean. I know this because I've lived it. I have made terrible decisions apart from God, not, not living a resurrected life, not, not listening to God, and I've made a mess. And I think when we live to our own selfish desires and we live selfishly based on what we want, we get in a mess. And everyone just kind of like, oh, my gosh. But, like, let's be honest. It happens. It happens. If we took a look at our life, we've made some terrible decisions that have scarred us, and it was probably because we were living for our own selves. Okay? And the scripture, uh, this Galatians 5.24 says this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That was the idea that we spoke about last week. Jesus is crucified, uh, taking uh, on sin, crucifying his flesh. And we too need to crucify, if you will, kill, die to our own desires because we see where uh, they get us. I mean, that's kind of just a practical situation. That's a lot of really spiritual words for some easy understanding. You go your own way, you're going to mess this thing up, all right? You go Jesus' way, trust me, you're going to live a life, a resurrected life full of blessings, all right? Facts. Uh, and so the next thing that I, right there, he says, uh, loses his selfish desire for the sake of Jesus, he will find his life. If he loses his life for the sake of Jesus, he will find it. All right, will be raised in new life in Christ. You will be given a second chance. So if you lose your life for Christ's sake, if you say, you know what, I am done. I am done making these decisions on my own. I'm done with that self-destructive decision-making process that's killing me and affecting everyone around me. If you're that person who's saying, I am done with that. I'm really ready to not live my way, but God, I'm ready to live your way. And you're ready to kind of sacrifice that part of you. He's saying, you will find life. Man, I felt dead. I felt dead. I was lost. I had zero purpose. I, I didn't, I had no reason to live. And Christ gave me a reason to live. It was as if I had come alive for the first time. It was as if when I gave my life to Jesus that I was like breathing air for the first time. And that's the promise he wants for you. That's what he's promising you. If you will lose your life, if you will say your way is the best way, I believe in your crucifixion, your resurrection, and you walk and live and you have that experience with God, he's promising you life. That's the message I want our whole city to hear. That's the message I want all of Fort Worth. I want all of DFW, all of Texas, the U.S., the world. That's the message I want them to hear. Because until you've made that step and said, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm done living my own way. I believe in what you did. I'm all into this thing. And you've experienced that freedom. Man, it is tough. And that's how everyone around us is living, our neighbors, our people in this movie theater right now who are watching movies. Uh, maybe some of you in this room have never experienced Jesus in that way where your life is transformed. I'm telling you, it is tough. 
And if that's you this morning, I know. I know. It's rough. But, but Jesus is offering a way out. And we always want to do what we want to do. I remember I had a conversation with a friend one time. He's like, bro, I wish I had your life. He said, I wish I was dealt the cards you were dealt. And that's funny because we were all dealt the same cards. We we're all born in the sin. We all struggle. Uh, but I had told him, I said, the issue with uh, what he would do is that it was a cycle for him, and he was kind of living a defeated life, uh, not living in newness. And part of that was because, and he said he was a Christian, was that he would go and make decisions based on what he wanted to do, scar himself up. He knew it was not a good thing. We've all been there. We've made poor decisions. We're like, that was not smart. And I know that that didn't please God. And then he would come back and be like, God, forgive me. I'm all in. I'm all in. And he would do this over and over again. He would come and talk to me about it. And uh, I said, bro, I said, I think, I think here's what you need to do next time. I think you, instead of asking God and talking to him after, you need to ask God and talk to him before. Like maybe, maybe you need to stop and pray and talk to God before. To me, that's one of the keys of a resurrected life. Keys of surviving and walking with God every single day is, is that you actually consult God every single day. If he's resurrected, resurrected and he's alive and living in you, uh, maybe you should have that conversation. All right? Think about what that would look like uh, with your friends who maybe have insulted you or treated you poorly. Maybe if before you lashed out at them, wanna, you know, maybe before you got into that all that, maybe if you just said, God, what, oh, I'm hurt. What do you want me to do in this situation? Maybe you would continue to walk in newness of life. You wouldn't have to go back. Maybe, maybe if, you know, before you got in an argument with your spouse, Maybe when they lashed out at you, and you're like, that wasn't right. Maybe instead of coming back at them, maybe you ought to, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe if you listen, it just goes on. Maybe if, maybe if at night before you go to bed and you're at your house by yourself, you pull out that phone or you're about to look at something you shouldn't, maybe you need to say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm telling you, newness of life is a living a living, resurrected life with Jesus, and he's going to speak to you, and he's going to help you, all right? We've, we've been there. We've made these decisions. We've walked this way, but, but it's about living every single day. This is why Jesus was raised to life. He is alive so that he can have a relationship with you. And the second part of that is he wants you to live in victory, victory. Man, this is a tough one, man. It's a tough one. We get beat up. We, get, we live in a rough place. The world is not a friendly place sometimes. <clears throat> Trust me. Man, I live in a crazy neighborhood. I just moved into it. <laughs> Some of y'all know this story. Like, literally, I just rented a crack house. It's that crazy. Like, you can ask Katie. We've had the cops at our house twice in the past couple of weeks. We, this, world, this place is rough. Not just my neighborhood. And I'm just saying, we, we live in a tough place, man. We have things coming at us all the time. And the enemy is like sneaky. He's sneaky. And he tries to tempt you with things. And before you know it, you're like giving into it. And you're like, ah, this isn't, this isn't resurrected life. This isn't what God wants for me. And it feels like, man, we're having to, 
we're having to fight this and we're having to navigate all the time. And that's what, and we're not even going to get into this yet. And Mike touched on the Holy Spirit several weeks ago. If you didn't hear that sermon about the Holy Spirit and you're still looking around like, what is that? That's weird. You got to hear that sermon. You got to go to the podcast and listen to that sermon. Because what, what he says and what the scripture says is that when Jesus, after this happens, he ascends into heaven. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, I'm going to send a counselor. Like I said, Lord, we need a counselor. And we, we live in a tough place, and we need somebody to help us walk through this life. And that's the beauty of the resurrection is that he was raised to life so that you can have a relationship with him if you choose to. And, and what he promises is he, you won't be alone. You won't be alone anymore. Man, that, that was a game changer for me. I mean, how many times when we are by ourselves or we just we feel alone in a crowd, you ever had that experience? You just felt like you're in a crowd of people, but you just feel alone, empty. Man, but God, God is there, and he's calling to you. And whether you believe it or not, he knows your name. And whether you believe it or not, the scripture says he knows how many hairs on your head. And he knows you, and he knows when you are alone, he knows what your heart longs for. He knows what you cry out for. He knows when you're lonely and you need somebody there. He's there. He's reaching out for you. Um, but it's our decision. We have to take that step forward to say, God, I see and I believe. And this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to kind of just conclude, and we're going to have a time of prayer. But uh, this morning, I kind of feel like, you know, there's probably two, two types of people in this room. There's some of us in here uh, that need to see and believe. The disciple Jesus loved ran ahead of Peter, and he shows up in the tomb. And he looks around, he sees all these linens laying around. And uh, Mary Magdalene had just been there. And she freaked out. She came back to the house, nothing against her. She's awesome. Read her story. Wow, you'll be on your knees weeping. She came back and was like, yo, somebody stole Jesus' body. But John shows up at the tomb and he looks in there and the scripture says, he saw and he believed. I can't escape that. I can't escape that. You might be sitting here today and you may be like, I don't see God. I don't see him. Man, when I wake up in the morning, I see God. I walk outside. I've said this before. I I have like an artist design brain. Like I look at a tree and I'm like, why? I'm like, that is crazy. Like why aren't the roots sticking up in the air and, and the leaves under the ground? Like this was designed by God. And we can't even recreate that. Like, that is crazy to me. Look at a zebra, family. That is crazy. That doesn't make any sense. That is beautiful. Like, I, I, man, man, I'm in the delivery room. God, we can't even recreate that process of the birthing process. That is it. That is, it only takes a God that can do something like that. He is all-powerful. Man, the list goes on and on and on. And I see all that kind of stuff. But before I saw really a lot of that, I saw some men in my life who said, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to live right. I remember in the church I grew up in. Uh, you, you can ask Katie. You can ask my mom. She's here. You can ask my wife, Mike. The church we grew up in, man, it was like kind of an inner city church. And we had some people who've come in, some strippers, prostitutes, homeless people, people who have lived a very scarred life and have gone down a road that uh, led to pain and hurt. And they gave their lives to Jesus. It wasn't easy, but when they did, they lived in newness of life. And I was a kid, and I saw that. I saw that. 
I've, I've been in this church for since it started. I was here at the beginning, and I've seen lives change in this church. So you can't tell me that an all-powerful God can't transform a life because I've seen people's lives change dramatically, dramatically. He's all-powerful. So I've seen it, and I believe it. And I'm just telling you this morning, if you're one of those people who says, I don't even know about Jesus, I don't even know about God, that my prayer is that your eyes get opened. I pray that you start to see stuff. And when you start to see stuff, I'm going to tell you, you're going to believe there's a God. And, and John shows up in the tomb, and he looks down, and he sees what went down, and he remembers what Jesus said. And he's like, you know what? I believe this. I know. It wasn't long after that that Jesus appeared to them, and his, his belief was validated. And I'm going to tell you, there's been so many times that after I took that step and said, God, I see what you've done and I believe you, that my faith was validated because there was so much, so much. If I could go through my story right now, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, I have seen validation after validation of what an all-powerful, resurrected God can do in a person's life. And if that's you this morning, if you're someone who needs to see and believe, I pray that that experience happens to you today. I pray, I pray it happens to you before you leave this place. I pray this for all of, like I said, all of this city. I pray that this week that it kind of haunts you a little bit. I pray that you can't help but see God everywhere. And when you do, I'm telling you, it's powerful. And some of us in here have, have, uh, have given our lives to Jesus. We know what it, like, it is like to walk in newness of life, but life is tough, and we kind of lose sight of the resurrection. We forget about what it means. It's tough. Romans 6, 10 through 11 says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. In the Greek, the dunamis power, the Spirit of God that raised that immense power that raised God from the dead lives in you. You're having a hard time walking in victory. It feels like every, every corner you take, something really difficult happens and you're breaking down and you're struggling. Remember, the Spirit of God that raised that immense power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And you can, you can have victory over that temptation. You can have victory over those trials and struggles and battles. <clears throat> Don't have fear and embrace the freedom that God provides you every single day. On a practical level, I think about the woman who went and ran and anointed Jesus' feet. She knew she was struggling. She knew she was having issues, and she ran to the feet of Jesus. God, if that would be our posture every single day, man, I feel far from God. I am struggling. I am having a difficult. I'm going to run to the feet of Jesus. And what does that look like? It looks like, man, praying in your car on your way to work. Man, it looks like getting at your house and getting in the backyard and just worshiping. You know, yeah, your neighbors think you're crazy, but life, death. This is life and death, people. I'm talking... I'm talking get into the Bible and hear what it has to say and study it. I'm talking get to church. Sometimes all you can do is just get into church. Sometimes all you can do is get into your community group and be around people who can help. That's what a, that's what a newness of life, a walking in Christ's resurrection, a walking in his beautiful life that he provides you, that's what it looks like. So this morning I'm going to have the band come up. and You guys can come up now. <clears throat> We're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, like I said, like, I feel like there's probably two types of people in the room. And uh, one of those people are the people who need to see and believe. This morning, we're going to have a time of prayer. 
And uh, I'm going to step down. I'm going to be over here. And uh, I really want to pray with you. If that's you, I really want to pray with you. And I don't even care if you've been going to this church. Like, if you've been going to this church, and maybe people don't know, I, I feel awkward about coming and praying. Listen, push through that. I don't even care. That doesn't even matter. I would much rather you walk in the newness of life and not and not have to be dead and feel empty on the inside than, than you feel a little embarrassed to walk over and pray with somebody. I pray, God, I pray that the Lord will help you this morning. And if that's you, maybe you're a guest here and you've never experienced Jesus in that way, I pray that it happens this morning. I want to pray with you. I want to talk to you. And, uh, and the second kind of person that I think and I feel like would be in this room is maybe someone who's lost sight of what the resurrection means in your life. That it means walking in victory every single day. That God's there with you every single day, every step of the way. And you need that. You need, you need to feel, you need to be close to him again. You need to know he's there. You need help. Uh, I want to pray with you too. So whatever that looks like, and I know we've got some other people here, uh, some of our uh, people in lanyards, and they're going to be available to pray. And, uh, and so, man, let's just have a beautiful time of prayer. I just encourage you. I kind of plead with you. Please don't leave this place until you know that you and God are like this. Because it's, it's going to be the catalyst for uh, a new way of life. Let's pray. Lord, we feel your presence in here. God, this isn't something we mustered up. God, you are working. Scripture says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lord, this morning, I just pray that I was able to lift you up this morning. But God, you know my heart's desire. God, I pray, Lord, that people in this room will know you in a way that they've never known you before. I pray that those of my friends that are in this church that have been struggling and not walking in victory, God, I pray that, Lord, that you and them get close again, that they understand how powerful you are because of the resurrection. And, God, I pray for those this morning who have been living a life of emptiness, alone, afraid, living a life of self-destructive behavior, and they're sick of it, they're done, they're fed up. God, I pray, Lord, for those people this morning, that this morning be a morning, God, that they'll never forget. A, mo- a morning where they say, Lord, I believe in what you did, and I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to give my life to you. God, I pray that those people realize that it's not just a moment, but, God, that it's a life, a resurrected life, that God wants to live and breathe and walk with you every single day.